following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. <coughs> This morning's Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, beginning to read at verse 5, and can be found on page 777. That's page 777. This will be followed by Luke, chapter 6, on page 1033, if you want to prepare that beforehand. So that's page 777 and page 1000. And 33. <clears throat> this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. And the New Testament reading is Luke chapter 6 beginning to read at verse 17, that's page 1033. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich for you have already received your comfort Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. 
Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. morning. Let us pray. Lord, may your word take root in our hearts and transform our lives. Amen. In today's reading from Luke's gospel, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Although first it says that great crowds had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. So it was a bit chaotic, I'm guessing. And in the midst of that, Jesus began to speak. But I wonder who is really listening. I was amused to note, for instance, that in the very next verse after our reading, he says, I say to you who are listening, perhaps it was and is, easy to hear Jesus speak, but not really listen to what he says. And Jesus is about to say something that no one else is saying, something sufficiently unexpected that not much can prepare us for it. Without going into too much detail at this point, it's going to be good news for the poor, it's going to be bad news for the rich, and it's going to be uncomfortable working out who Jesus counts as poor and rich. You're wishing you stayed home and listened to the service on the radio instead. I'll be able to nuance this a bit as we look at it, but not much. And then on top of all that, and in particular, today is Racial Justice Sunday, and we will want to hear how these blessings and woes might catch us up into the pursuit of justice and particularly of racial justice. In short, there is good news here because there always is in the gift of Holy Scripture, but we're going to have to work harder than usual to find it. And it'll be the kind of good news that challenges us as much as it encourages us. So are you sitting comfortably? Well, that would be a bad start. Are we sitting attentively? Then let us hear these words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He goes on to some other people who are blessed, those who are hungry, weeping, hated, excluded, insulted. It's not exactly an upbeat list. And then woes. Woe to you who are rich. Woe also to the well-fed, the laughing, the ones people speak well of. In short, he says, 
The ones in trouble will be blessed, while the ones who look like they're doing well are in for trouble. Vote for me, Jesus Christ, the completely unrealistic candidate. He doesn't actually say that last bit. Who would vote for him with a manifesto like that? This part of Jesus' teaching is famous or even infamous. In Matthew's version, it comes in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most well-known and also most startling bits of the Bible. This is Luke's version and has as often been noted by readers of Luke's Gospel, Jesus does not go up a mountain to deliver it in Luke, but rather, as our reading today began, he came down to them and stood on a level place or on a plain. It is sometimes called, therefore, I kid you not, the Sermon on the Plain, which always conjures up for me the odd image of Jesus aboard Air Force One telling the reporters his vision for a just society. I know it's not that sort of plain. Either it's a level place up a mountain or else, and also, it's something that Jesus said more than once, high or low, come rain or shine. And there'll be a good reason for that, because this is not a vision you can really get your head round on the first time of asking. So I'm guessing it was part of his regular message as he travelled around, what politicians would call his stump speech. But what a speech! What a sermon! And we haven't even got on to love your enemies yet, which again is the very next verse after our reading and that's all very well you may be thinking but lord have you seen my particular enemies well what is jesus really getting at how does he expect to get followers with a message like that and certainly if you are someone that people are speaking well of and you are one of those who is rich full and laughing as I was just saying to my wife last night, as we sat in our comfortable house watching a comedy show after a nice big meal. I mean, really, what is Jesus on about here? For whom exactly is this supposed to be good news? Well, as Shakespeare would say, there's the rub. Because for whom is this good news? is not really a rhetorical question. It's a question we need to answer and then reflect on where it leaves us, and particularly on a day when our context is the question of racial justice. So, first attempt at answering the question. This is good news for the poor. And the word Jesus uses for poor here actually means poor. Although actually, to be fair, it can mean poor in all sorts of ways. Luke's Gospel will show us Jesus having concern for those who are poor because they have no money, as well as those who are poor because they are isolated and alone, sick and suffering, and also those who are poor because they are overrun by the cares and concerns of an unjust society that seems weighted against them on all levels. The poverty that caught people in its web in the first century was a terrible, hope-crushing and soul-destroying experience of living with no social status at all. 
a life with little hope for today, let alone tomorrow, and little hope of change today or tomorrow either. All this is true, and it's certainly true that Jesus in Luke's Gospel goes after this kind of poverty again and again, meeting it with blessing and with hope and with, let's be honest, taking down the rich. Because in the Roman Empire of the day, the rich only got rich at someone else's expense. Whose expense? The poor. And we might well be thinking, and what's changed? Having said that, I do want to probe just a little bit deeper for a second attempt at defining who this is good news for. I actually think that what Jesus means here in Luke chapter 6 verse 20, blessed are the poor, is a bit more specific in the first instance. Our translations say blessed are you poor because it's true that Jesus goes on to say yours is the kingdom of God, which reads better in English, but the wording is exactly the same as in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount blessed are the poor except that in Matthew it's expanded to blessed are the poor in spirit which does take us on to all those other aspects of being poor that I just mentioned but here in Luke it is simply bluntly poor and then it's defined kind of defined by the rest of the blessings and by implication by the woes that follow poor in Luke chapter 6 includes being hungry weeping hated and despised and it is opposed to being well um, well fed and spoken well of so yes there is some of the wider relational sense of poverty but at roots in luke it's all tied up with basically not having enough to live on which then leads to all the other social deprivations too so let's go back to the question of who is going to be interested in voting for Jesus. If we can stop the Roman Empire from disenfranchising them by doing them out of a vote, let those who have ears to hear, hear, then at least the poor are going to be interested. I'm just checking the ballot paper to see what our options are. It looks like you can vote for Jesus or you can vote for things carrying on the way they are. You can vote for Jesus or you can vote for things carrying on the way they are. You can try not voting of course. There's some small print at the bottom. It says a failure to vote will be counted as a vote for things carrying on the way they are. So that's our choice. Vote for Jesus or leave the comforted in charge. What with everything going so well for everyone in Britain, in County Durham, in our own streets and neighbourhoods in 2022 so far. But before we vote, a question. What exactly is Jesus going to do about it all? There was a worrying little statement tucked into his stump speech where he said, Rejoice when people hate you, exclude you, revile you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice then and leap for joy because surely your reward is great in heaven. Well, that doesn't sound quite so encouraging, 
does it? You may be poor now, but it's okay because everything will be all right in the next world. The church has sometimes been accused of saying this down through the years. To be fair, the church has sometimes said this. But if you find it not altogether hopeful, you're on to something important. And it turns out that it's by no means all of what Jesus meant. He's not saying, I can see you have trouble in this life, but don't worry, at least the next life will be great. And can you see why on Racial Justice Sunday I want us to hear that clearly? Jesus has something altogether more remarkable on offer. Let me put it this way. The great reward in heaven starts now. Some of the blessings here in Luke 6 look forward to being satisfied and to the restoring of joy in the future. But crucially, the first one, looking once again and carefully at verse 20, says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, already. And that makes all the difference, even while the troubles remain. The phrase kingdom of God is easily misheard as a place, as heaven or the next life, for example. But we do better to think of it as an activity and specifically as the activity of God. The kingdom of God is God on the move, God powerfully at work, God fully engaging in the world transforming actions of bringing life out of death, light out of darkness, and hope out of despair, right here and right now. Luke 6 is a call to action in the specific sense that it is a call to join in with God's world-transforming action, which is already underway. We are used to politicians saying, vote for me and everything will be okay. Jesus does not quite offer this. That's not what we're voting for. Jesus is saying, vote for me and God will here and now be on your case, fighting for you. And yes, of course, the trials of the age will not immediately disappear, but knowing that you will have God as your advocate will indeed change everything right now. And as for the rich, whose comfort is currently very evident, they are not going to stop being rich overnight, but they have already received their comfort. And our vote is a vote to join in. And remember, there were only two options. Like a mustard seed growing in the corner of the field, like yeast working through the whole batch of dough, the revolution starts here. But in the immortal words of Gil Scott Heron, a poet and prophet of racial justice, if ever there was one, the revolution will not be televised. It will not come with a fanfare, with a here it is, or there it is. It will not be met with kings and princes, but by misled magi from far off lands, 
will not be brought to you by Netflix in four parts without commercial interruptions. It will not make you look five pounds thinner. It will not go better with coke. It will not fight germs that may cause bad breath because the revolution will not be televised and the revolution starts here. The first will be last and the last will be first. And for those who need good news, that is good news indeed. Which brings me to how we hear these words of Jesus today on Racial Justice Sunday. Gil Scott Heron wrote his poem, from which I've been quoting, 50 years ago. The revolution he was looking for was the bypassing of mass media with its focus on the endless privilege of the well-off, and in his particular vision, the white. While, to quote him, black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day, end quote. You will not be able to stay home, brothers, he began, because, well, the world is being turned upside down on our watch. And I want to say that Luke 6 tells us who it is who is turning the world upside down. It is the Jesus who says, blessed are you who are poor. The important point here may be put like this. Individual followers of Jesus may well have been rich people saying, well, I am not personally responsible for the way in which some are rich and some are poor in this society. But they are nevertheless about to experience God turning the world upside down on behalf of the poor anyway. And just so, we ourselves might think that we are not personally responsible for racial injustice today. And yet Jesus pronounces a gospel, good news that will leave nothing unchanged. Can we recognize as God's church that we have been too slow to catch the full extent of this extraordinary vision? Is it not heartbreaking to read words like, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude and insult you and reject your name as evil and to know that that has characterized the experience of so many UK minority ethnic people historically and today, let alone people globally. Recognizing that it is God who will bring justice for the excluded helps us to avoid two extremes. We are not invited to sit by and watch God work saying, it's not particularly my issue. So we wish God well, but we won't get involved. And neither on the other hand are we left thinking, it all depends on us to bring about racial justice in the world. No, it depends on God. And therefore we throw ourselves into it fully, knowing that the God of whom Jesus speaks will bring about, indeed is already bringing about, a revolution of our social world and therefore there is hope.
Can we weep with our UK minority ethnic brothers and sisters who carry the pain of exclusion and insult, of discrimination that has no place in the kingdom of our God? And can we, in so doing, join with the Jesus who has gone ahead of us and broken down the power of death and comes back with resurrection power to change the rules, to bless the poor, to feed the hungry, to fight for justice that positively embraces people of every race, and to accompany those who weep, accompany them through the valley of the shadow of death until laughter returns. Brothers and sisters, the polls are still open. We can vote for Jesus or we can let things carry on the way they are. Though with a campaign speech like that, is there a strong chance that it is only the weak and the foolish who might vote for Jesus? And then I imagine him saying, bring it on. Give me the weak, give me the poor, and the insulted, and the excluded. Let's gather them round the cross and the resurrection. Let's call it church. The revolution starts here. Let us pray. Lord, your words challenge us, but in that challenge comes the promise of life. Give us grace to live this day, this week, this year, for you, with open eyes, generous hands, and thankful hearts. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.